Welcome to the Heal Here podcast. I'm your host, Kate Flick, aka Oracle Lightworker. I'm a Holy Fire 3 Karuna Reiki master teacher and Akashic Records reader. I also happen to be a Gemini, don't judge, a 5-1 emotional manifester and empowered empath. I am literally obsessed with helping you heal and showing you that you are your own best healer. Join me here where we will explore different techniques and modalities and where I will share personal experiences and channel guidance to help support you as you move along the spiritual and healing path. I am so glad you're here. Hi, everybody. There's no spiritual karaoke for me. Actually, there is. I'm so disappointed. I have an amazing guest on today with an awesome song. And for whatever reason, I need to get this figured out. You can only hear me singing, which nobody wants to hear. You hear that every week. I wanted to hear Steph's voice. I think she has a really good voice, actually. But she was drowned out by my microphone somehow. So I apologize for that, (laughs) for her spiritual karaoke being hijacked by me. That was not the intention, believe me. But I am super excited to have Steph Sullivan on the podcast today. I have been following Steph for a while on Instagram, and I actually had the chance to meet her in real life at a party. I know, it's crazy. I actually left the house and went to a party. That is very, very rare, very rare occurrence over here. But chatting with her, we really came to realize how much we have in common. It's actually a bit freaky to be honest (laughs) and we reference this throughout the podcast when we realize how very similar we are but Steph is a human design guide and also a movement guide and she just has so much wisdom to offer so much medicine for the collective and I'm super excited to share her with uh, you today And some other themes that we talk about in this episode are mental health, spiritual awakenings, childhood trauma, addiction. We get into human design. There's a little bit of everything in this podcast. And she even says this isn't kind of the normal maybe podcast episode that she would do. Like she gets into some topics that she normally doesn't talk about, which I love And I just have to say, if you're a manifester, you are going to want to listen today because there are so many amazing manifester nuggets in today's episode. Okay. Nuggets. Why? (laughs) I don't like the word nuggets. Why am I saying nuggets? Like, no, there are so many manifester insights in today's episode. Okay. That's better. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to segue into you hearing me sing off key and poor Steph's beautiful voice being drowned out. Anyhow, I hope you are doing well. And oh yes, before I get into the episode, I am in the process of restructuring everything in my business, in my life. It has been a week. It has been a freaking week. Anybody else? Like I am literally that melting emoji currently. I am the melting emoji. The melting emoji is me. So yeah, there are Reiki trainings coming up. I'm adjusting the dates. I'm really changing everything around in my business. And I really appreciate your patience as I do this. And as I kind of wait to get a bit more clarity. So DM me if you have any questions around Reiki trainings. 
DM me if you have any questions at all about any of my offerings and I may be able to give you a little bit more information, but hang tight. There are new things coming, new things on the horizon. Okay, and one more thing. I had to edit so much out of this episode. Everything that Steph said was just so perfect and eloquent and she's so well-spoken. I was, we all know I'm all over the place. Let's be honest here. But, oh my gosh, I was so all over the place and rambling and... Anyway, I was like, this is embarrassing. Delete, delete, delete. So (laughs) I deleted a bunch of, and I'm still, there's still parts that I had to leave in with me talking in it, but just for coherence uh, sake, but there's a lot that I had to kind of take out because I kind of rambled. So I deleted some things. So you may notice some parts that are a bit disjointed. (laughs) That's on me. Everything that Steph said was amazing. So I just deleted myself out a few times. So if there are a few spots in the podcast that seem a little disjointed, okay, and they're not uh, super flowy, that's on me. (laughs) I saved you from listening to my rambles. You have to listen to them enough. So my apologies for that. So without further ado, here is my interview with Steph Sullivan. Cause I'm in too deep and I'm trying to keep up above in my head instead of going under cause I'm in too deep and I'm trying to keep up above in my head instead of going under instead of going under okay (laughs) thank you for that (laughs) hello everybody welcome to the heal here podcast i am your host kate flick and i am super excited to have a special guest with me today steph sullivan who is a fellow emotional manifester in human design. She is a human design mentor, a movement guide, and an entrepreneur. And this has been a long time coming. We've been talking about, you know, having her on the podcast for a while. So I'm so excited to finally have her here. So welcome, Steph. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and sit down with someone that I feel I have so much in common with. It's actually a little scary. (laughs) It is actually like we were talking before and I was like, oh my, everything you were saying, I was like, oh my God, like this is resonating like so deeply. We probably should have pressed record right at the beginning because anyway, I just felt like everything you were saying was so relatable to me. But yeah, great. I couldn't, when we were, when we were singing that in too deep by some 41s, shout out to some 41. Um, I couldn't hear you singing. I really hope that when we're recording this, like I couldn't hear your voice at all. Could you hear my voice? I could totally hear you. And oh I God. <laughs> oh no. I hope that the way, cause we're screen sharing her audio. So I hope it, I really hope it didn't mess up and somehow canceled out your and you want a solo riff (laughs) no I do that every week uh I prefer shoot okay well we'll have to I'll have to go back and listen to this maybe I'll make you uh record your own little solo at home and 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 send it to me before we release this episode okay anyway I don't even know 
I feel like I have a million questions for you. I should have also included that you're a fellow sober, curious friend, um, which I feel like it is gaining momentum and popularity, but I don't, I don't know like a ton of people in real life, like that are kind of, I feel like that are on the same path as me. And the fact that you're sober, curious, you're a manifester, you're an entrepreneur, you're into all the all the things that I find that I'm into, it's so cool to find somebody that, anyway, that I relate to. Um, so wait, okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's reel it back in. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I want to add to, we're both tall. We learned that. Oh yeah, the I first forgot time. about that. She's like 5'11". You're 5'11"? Yeah, just under, yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. all, like, I was always like five eleven, like I went in my, in the basketball program, they had me at five eleven. Sometimes I kind of, I guess, exaggerate that, but I was, no, I think I was a pretty good five eleven. but I feel like I've shrunk. Like you were, were you a bit taller than me when we met? I can't remember. Um, I think we're like almost the same. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to claim five eleven Cause I feel like with old age, I've shrank, shrunk, whatever the word is, but, um, I forgot about that. Like yeah. it's so, and you played, you played sports in university. You played lacrosse. Yes. Yeah. I played basketball in high school and then lacrosse found me and I loved it. And I played it um, in university. Yeah. Okay. Like we wrote the university athletes. This is getting weird. Like I kind of forgot. I knew like we had like those core things in common, but like, then there's all these other little things, but you don't have huge feet. Do you? No, we talked about this yeah. as well. I'm a size nine, which is very right. weird how, how tall I am. Yeah. Right. Okay. You don't. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you don't have the size 11s. Those are kind of a curse. So kind of yeah, happy. My mom does. My mom oh, is yeah. six her. I think she's even maybe a 12. Um, I, I remember you saying that now. She's yeah. six one. Yeah, she's really tall. I'm the shortest one in my family. Did she yeah. play basketball by any chance or volleyball? Yeah. Yeah, she did. She played basketball. Um, my I'm very differently structured, like body composition than my mom's side of the family. Um, so I was always like, yeah, kind of like the black sheep in that way because I'm really slender, whereas my family like has a lot of curves and I didn't get any of that. And so my family was, you know, always kind of like teasing me for that. Like, you're not actually one of us. <laughs> like, you're totally different. <laughs> Here's some Amazon, but like beanpole Amazon. <laughs> beanpole Amazon. Uh, yeah. Whenever I was growing up, I was like lank, like all arms and legs, like yeah, long, long limbs. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask. Sorry, my my ADHD brain is all over the place, but I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like that label of black sheep? You're saying that like physically, like, did you feel that? um in other ways too or like are you different than people in your family yeah for sure I um yeah I I definitely think I see things differently and I move through life differently and I am sort of that like person to want to bring new ideas and my mom is actually also a manifester um and we'll get into that in a bit like what that means in human design so I do feel like I have a familiarity with my mom's energy. We're really similar. Our human design charts are actually almost identical, which is a little bit weird. And I think sometimes that can cause some issues when we're like so similar to someone. Um, we get them and we feel them, but there maybe isn't that opposite energy to like complement us. 
But I definitely think that the manifestor energy in general, and I, I'm sure you feel this way, is sort of that like lone wolf energy, that black sheep wanting to do things differently, sees things differently, starts things that people say, well, like won't work or that's not the right way. And, you know, I, I've, I've shared a lot about my story as, as getting into healing work. I grew up in a family where both my parents were bipolar. And so automatically I felt very different than my parents because they just had a life experience that was like so opposite to mine. And it taught me a lot about how to hold space and be a healer and be someone that is super compassionate and very um, present for people. And on the same you know, side of that is that it also had me really, I think, in a healing role and a helping role, but not learning how to do that for myself. I had to, you know, we hear this phrase a lot, like parent myself in, in certain situations. And that definitely is something that I learned, but I think I, I have gained just so much value in helping people that my journey has led me to this place of like, what does it mean for Steph to help herself and not identify so heavily with this idea of like this helping work that I do. And that's shown up in all that I do. So, you know, I help people move their bodies. I help people learn about themselves through human design. I was a nurse for 10 years. I always find myself in situations of supporting other people. And it's definitely my life path and my mission. And I know what I'm here to do, but the reciprocity, the other side of that, the taking care of myself in balance is something that I'm really learning. And I think, you know, when I share with people that I have two bipolar parents, like, oh my gosh, that must've been terrible. And I actually don't know any different, right? Like there's nothing to compare it to. I was blessed with two non-bipolar step-parents that like helped buffer and mitigate and support me. And so I wouldn't change it. My parents are both really incredible humans. Um, they both had a lot of struggles in their life and I would not do the work I do with the lens that I have if it wasn't for those experiences. So I'm grateful for it. Wow. That's an amazing story and an amazing perspective. And like everything as I'm not surprised because everything you've said so far today, like before we start recording, just resonates so much and about being like having your identity tied to helping other people and like but then struggling to prioritize your own needs and like looking at like what you need for your own personal healing and would you say like that's how you received validation like do you is that how you receive value validation as a child and maybe love is like how you could show up and be there for others like do you feel like that's how you I don't know what I'm trying to say here like did you tie your was your self-esteem tied to how you can best show up for others, I guess? Yeah, I would say I internalized that. I don't know if that was like outwardly praised, but what I will say is that the praise I got was being the golden child. So, you know, my brother also has what we believe bipolar. Um, he hasn't admitted it, even though he's in his 40s, but I think that there is, something to be said about my energy of being a perfectionist being an overachiever I was the first person on both sides of my family to go to university no one in my family has ever done that and so hitting these milestones and pushing myself I have uncovered over the last you know 10 years of a lot of spiritual work and healing 
was actually almost an avoidance mechanism because I was so afraid to get to a place like I saw my family often live in, right? Like a place of struggle, a place of mental anguish, a place of feeling out of control with your emotions and your life. And I think there was this like, I don't know, this thing inside of me that was like, you just have to like push and and you have to find safety, you have to find financial security, you have to find work that's going to keep you safe and, and support you and also give you a lot of meaning because meaning is gonna, gonna be what's gonna keep you going. And I just created this like story, like we all do, right? And the praise was often about how incredible I was, about how good my grades were, about how, how much integrity I had, how much of a loyal friend and daughter I was, and just this energy that I feel could yeah could just like give me this idea that if I'm not that way like something's wrong so it didn't give me grace I feel a lot when I did you know have a failure and those experiences would be super detrimental to me because I've learned through human design and just like exploring my psyche that um guilt is a really big part um of how I internalize like when I'm doing something wrong so you know if my mom was to say I this this like makes me like want to cry as soon as I say it but I'll never forget she would say Stephanie Ann my middle name that's when you know like something is bad <laughs> and she'd say I'm so disappointed in you and my parents could get angry at me and I'd be upset but if someone tells me they're disappointed in me I've let someone down like it's like earth shattering my soul just like crumples up into a ball and so there was just this fear and there still is I'm still really working on this like I really don't want to let people down and that's a people pleasing thing right that's not healthy that's not a place to always like push within because I I just I really struggle to give myself grace even though I so easily offer that to other people so it's it's been a lot of learning and it still is and it always will be but it's really interesting to look at the things we were praised for. I love this question because it creates our reality in a way. And we can rewrite those stories. We can rewrite that experience, which is a lot of the healing work that I'm, you know, still very much in. Wow. I swear this is freaking me out. Like everything you're saying, I swear to God, I could say like, it's, it's, literally like you're in my head speaking from my own experience. It's blowing my mind. Like, again, I knew we had a lot in common, but when you're talking, I'm like, oh my God, you're ta you're literally talking about me. I swear it's sort of freaking me out actually, <laughs> but like it's similar, like same experiences and the same thing with like striving, overachieving. And like, so any type of perceived failure was absolutely devastating to me. And the thought of like letting anybody down. And that's why oftentimes self-sacrifice put others needs ahead of mine because like, I didn't have any problem letting myself down. Like, you know, that's, I was fine. That was totally fine. Betray, like self-betrayal is fine, but like, I would not want to let somebody else down and caring far too much about what other people think. And that's what I still struggle with. That's what I'm trying to work on. My husband's always like, do you not see that every issue that you seem to have in life, like the, the root, like it's all the root in it is always that you are caring how other people perceive you, what other people think of you. And he's like, this is your life lesson. And it's so clear to him, but 
he said that to me the other day. He's like, I don't know how you don't see this. I'm like, well, we don't, we don't tend to see our own stuff, I guess. Like I see it so clearly in others. Like when I'm working with clients, I can see people's trauma like so easily. Like it's just, but my own, apparently sometimes it takes, I'm a more, I'm a slower learner, but yeah, everything you just said resonates so much and like would your parents now like how did they feel when you started to move into this work and like have you have you shared like did they know that you will sometimes like share about your experiences in your childhood and does that make them like how do they feel about that how do they react to that um well truthfully it took me a long time to have the like courage to say like some of this wasn't okay and it's really affected me because for my father's experience my father battled with addiction for his entire life until five years ago he actually just celebrated five years amazing um, and so you know addiction and bipolar is a really wild world and what I often offered was almost like too much compassion, too much grace, too much forgiveness. Cause that's just like the person that I am. And what I've learned through just like healing is that there are some things that I don't need to take responsibility for. They need to take responsibility for. And in healing this and really finding my voice and having the courage to know that I can speak my truth too. It's brought me a lot, I think of connection. And at first it's hard because I think when you confront your caregivers in the sense of like, there are some things that I think that, you know, weren't great for me as a kid. There is a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for them. And that's really hard for me to witness someone go through. I just want to help them and fix them like through that. I'm like, I'm so sorry after I say it, but I'm really also proud of them and their own reflections. Um, And they're both in a really good place right now with their mental health and with their life. And that wasn't the case five years ago. And in the thickest of their, you know, dark times, um, that's not the place to have these conversations. But now I think because I trust that they're able to take that information and really reflect on it, I have been able to have those conversations more so I'd say with my mom, who we have a very, a much closer relationship. And she has said to me, you know, like, I did the best with what I, what I had, what I knew. And there are things that I'm not proud of either. And I never once, this is the thing that I think a lot of people have like a stigma around bipolar and there's a certain persona that like people see in their minds when you say someone that has bipolar, but what my parents love and they're in a good place, like they love deeply, they feel deeply right? And so it's a spectrum of energy. Like I see bipolar as like, it's an up and a down and there's like benefits to both. And when they're off balance, they haven't taken their medications or they're going through something really challenging. Like that's not always them either. Their brain chemistry isn't them. And I think through that, I've just been able to know like, when is the right time to have the conversations? And I've never, ever once doubted the love that they have for me. I never once felt unloved. There were times when I felt neglected. And now as an adult, I realized like what they were going through because I couldn't understand bipolar when I was young. I knew my parents were very emotional and weren't consistent and weren't always there, but I never, I mean, I don't feel like when they weren't there, I took that as like, they don't love me. Sometimes I would take it as 
okay, I need to go take care of myself. And I would, instead of like sitting in sadness, I feel my personality is to like, okay, what has to happen now? What do I need to do? Because something is missing and I need to like find that or fill that. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been interesting also, like I said, to have step parents that offered support in the times I needed it. I think that was a saving grace. And my parents were never married. They were together when they had me and they separated when I was two. So, you know, I don't know the statistics behind this, but I don't think that two bipolar people um, can always be in a great, healthy relationship. I think that's really challenging. And I'm sure there are people that have, and I, I think that's, you know, amazing. But for my parents, there was just, it wasn't going to work, but they also have so much love for each other still. And my mom hangs out with my stepmom. They both live in the same town right now for the first time in their entire lives that well that I've ever been alive at least. So there's like a lot of beauty and alchemy that's happened in the last, I'd say five, 10 years. Um, so I guess I can speak to this now with a lot of clarity, but if you had have had me on your podcast, you know, five, 10 years ago, before I had a lot of various spiritual things happen, I think I would have I don't even know I could have this conversation because I, I didn't even see it. Like it was just survival. It was just full steam ahead. And now it's like really sitting in stillness and reflecting on how this is it, how this has supported me and how it's been detrimental as well. Wow. Yeah. You have, I feel like you're like, how old are you? You're only 31. 31. You have, you are so wise, but like, you've been, I feel like you've been through so much and like, I truly believe we choose our parents and like, I feel, you know, you chose your parents, your step parents, like to learn all these different lessons and gain all this wisdom so that you can alchemize and alchemize, you know, all of these lessons and like, take it and help others. And yeah, there's so, there's so many things that I want, feel like I want to talk about here, but it's takes a lot of courage to have that conversation with a parent and share with them like how you know some of their behaviors in your childhood hurt you and like would you say your mom she she said that she did the best with you know and this is an that's such an important thing for all of us to remember is like our parents are, are only you know they're doing the best with the level of awareness and the resources that they have I I really do believe that everyone is doing the best they can um, and also the fact that we can't heal anybody, you can't heal your parents, but by you healing, you are opening up space for your parents to heal. So the best thing that you can, you could have ever done for your parents is go like be on the healing path. Like you are now, because you're opening up space for your parents to heal. And even just like you mentioning your dad is sober five years. Like I have to believe that you had an impact on that and like created space for him to heal in some ways. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, that was a huge lesson in my mid twenties. I went through um, a lot of turmoil, feeling like a failure that I couldn't fix my dad's addiction. And to the point where, Ooh, I just got shivers. I would, I would make appointments at Cam H for him to go to detox. I would, um, I would send him resources. I, like I tried so hard. It's probably the thing that 
you know, achievements in work and this or that. I was an incredible nurse. I was, I'm, I'm a great friend. I'm a great daughter, but that was one that really had me struggling to let go of that. I couldn't accomplish that, that I couldn't be that person. And I love what you said, because now looking back, like I was absolutely imperative in that though it took him taking responsibility. That's the whole theme, right? Like it takes the person wanting to do it. And my dad had to hit rock bottom multiple times. And I had to, I had to say, this is, I like, I can't help with this. Right. And unfortunately the position that my parents would sometimes put me in was coming to me in their crisis. So that puts you in a really challenging spot. You love this person so deeply. I like, I so badly wanted to be the savior. And um, I really had to learn how to create boundaries with that and had to, you know, learn how to say to my stepmom, like, I can't, I don't want to hear from you every time he's in crisis or say to my mom, like, this is not appropriate to tell me as a child or as an adult child, you know, it's still not appropriate. These are your issues. And sometimes that was met with love. But sometimes that was met with a lot of anger. And then, you know, you as the child have to go deal with that. And you have to really like process that and say like, this is, this is them struggling and they need to get through this and I can love them from afar. But there's been many times in my lives that my life that my lives, Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> They've had multiple. <laughs> you definitely have. You definitely have. We can, can go I into your Akashic records sometime and I can tell you about them. Yeah. <laughs> I actually felt um, very afraid I was going to lose my parents. My parents have both been hospitalized, have, you know, attempted suicide. Like this is a very real vulnerable piece of their story. And the thing is with my parents that I've realized is they, they want these stories to be shared too, you know? And I think that a long time ago, there was a lot of shame from both of them, but now they're very open about their mental health. And my, my father's quite open about his addiction even. And they're both such brilliant and very different, unique people. And like, I love what you said about choosing your parents. Like I, I love them so much. And I, I just think like they both, deserve space to heal or to speak about this and also knowing how I operate like like you said I'm here to take these experiences for them as well and and our relationship and share this with people because you hear about mental illness and you hear about addiction and sobriety and it's usually from like I don't know a different perspective I think like maybe the person that's struggling and for me I don't feel like there's a lot of platforms or spaces to share about the person supporting the person who's struggling with mental illness or addiction. Um, so, you know, what I needed back then was someone to be there for me so that I could be there for them in, a, in an empowered way. And I, I didn't have that. So, you know, I turned to alcohol, I turned to overworking, self-sacrificing, people pleasing. Um, and I, I lost myself for a really long time in my twenties. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. And, and in 2018, I actually had a really profound experience. I was in Costa Rica um, on my first solo trip ever, really was craving just like getting away. And I think 
this is a theme that's come up a few times when I hit my max, I just want to like run away and go, you know, into the jungle. And, um, I had a really incredible experience in a temple, um, by myself. And I just had this like voice that said, like, you need to detach yourself from certain relationships. And one of those was my father. And one of those was my partner at the time. And I came home and just like ripped apart my life (laughs) and my whole life crumbled. And that was like a pivotal moment in my healing that I realized that I cannot intertwine myself in that way to my work and to my relationships, because those aren't me. Those are places I show up, but like those aren't step. And then since then it's been a wild ride of like learning who I am and yeah, being really conscious and I still do it. It's a pattern. I still really overgive and overcare. And I think it both makes me an amazing human, but also is something that I have to constantly be aware of. You bring up really important themes that like resonate with me as well, like around, well, the whole thing about detachment and like setting boundaries and like, even like the codependency piece, like what you're describing about, you know, like enabling, like trying to fix your parents. And like, I didn't realize like that my whole family, like my whole childhood was like steeped in codependency. I had no sweet clue. I thought that it was everything that was happening was normal. And like, and you talk about parentification, like you, the child parenting, the adult, like adults coming to, to children. Anyway, I experienced that as well in my childhood. And it's not something I talk about. I probably have never talked about it, but um, just because I have a lot of fear about speaking about things like that. Um, just, you know, growing up in a small place and anyhow, it's interesting as you're talking about that, I thought of like, then the relationships I got into that were codependent and like my husband today, uh, we actually, like he, he hasn't drank in like what, is it 24, 25 years? Like he hasn't had a drink. No, is it that? Yeah, it's like 24, 25. I should have asked him. I should know. Wait, what would it be? Maybe it's a little, no, no. He he quit when he was 24. Maybe it was just his 20 year anniversary last year. Yeah, that would, 24, he's 44. That makes sense. So it was his 20 year anniversary. Anyway, I remember like, str- like trying to fix him, like trying to, like knowing that he had a problem and like, just seeing him change so much when he was drinking, but like loving him so much and trying to do everything. And then I went to Al-Anon, which is like, you know, have you ever heard of gone to Al-Anon or anyway, and it's for families of like people who have addictions and anyway, helping with like stuff around codependency and things. And like, they taught us to detach and like, and so I, for the first time in my life, like I detached, I set a boundary and then like, we broke, we broke up and Anyway, there's a whole huge story on that, um, but that maybe he wants, he's okay with me talking about it whenever, but like uh, eventually after I did set a boundary and detach, he was able to, like you said, your dad took responsibility and like, it has to be their choice. And then he stopped drinking. But anyway, I just resonate with everything you're saying. Like all these themes are things that, I don't know, that resonate with me a lot. So yeah, thank you for sharing about all these things like yeah you've you've had a you've been through a lot in your 31 years you have a lot of a lot of wisdom and amazing perspective 
Um, so like, how did that bring you, like, how, how did you get into human design? Like you were on the, this healing path and then what, how did you even find human design? Yeah. So I, you know, through my twenties, I sought out a lot of different modalities. I was always into personal development work and it started as like, how do I be better, make more money, like all of these things. And then I started having this more spiritual outlook on life and had like some spiritual experiences as I shared. And then I started realizing, okay, energy, there's a lot more than this you know, that meets the eye, what else is out there. And so I'm, I've always been a really curious person and I like to kind of try things on and see how they feel. Um, um, I, yeah, I, I heard about it on a podcast in, I think it was 2018. And I just immediately was like, yeah, that's the next deep dive. That's the next obsession. Like that, that sounds so great because at the time I felt like I was in all these different modalities, tarot, chakras, Akashic records, past life regressions. I was, you know, practicing yoga. I was meditating. I was every tool that promised some sort of healing, like it was in my back pocket. I was doing all the things, but then human design found me and I was thinking like, this system is a synthesis of so much work that I love. It blends astrology. It blends chakras. It blends Judaic Kabbalah. It blends the Chinese I Ching. Like science meets spirituality. And I, I felt this dissonance because I was practicing as a registered nurse. I was working with um, very sick pregnant women in downtown Toronto. So there was a very sciencey side of me, but nursing is actually very spiritual. We learn a lot about the mind, body, soul connection in school. It's very much a holistic approach to the human and their family and their faith. And, and it, it was always this side that it was never 50-50 in my career. Like it was like, you get 10% of space in your career and with patients to, to talk about these things. But like 90% of the time you are giving medications, you are saving someone's life, you are delivering a baby, you are in the science of it. And those that like imbalance really didn't feel good to me. I really wanted more. So then I just kind of found human design and was like, this, this is it for me. This is what feels... Um, supportive and it started just as my tool it just started as a thing for me to explore um and so between 2018 and 2020 it was like an in and out you know my best friend bought a book we both got really into it we would generate charts for people online for um just for fun to like understand people we'd look at our parents and ourselves and us together and it was just like a little hobby another tool didn't think a whole lot of it and um, everything kind of changed in 2020, like for me and for the world. Um, when I was living in Toronto at the time, I was nursing when the pandemic started and my whole job totally shifted. I got redeployed into the hospital. I was working at a fertility clinic in the time at the time. And I got sent back to a um, unit in the hospital that I had used to work that I actually was trying to heal trauma from and I had no choice because it's a pandemic like air quotes mm -hmm. that's what you just kept being told and so I was literally told the night before at like 7 p.m that the next morning at 7 a.m I was going back to this place and immediately you can imagine the like response the traumatic response of I've not yet moved through what I'm now re-entering plus adding a pandemic when none of us knew what was happening so 2020 like 
I would say was the mentally lowest year of my life. And I revisited human design because I just needed anything, something. I started therapy for the first time in my life in 2020. And alongside that, had a human design mentor um, who's now my coach who, who I've trained with. And we had a session that just like changed my whole world in May of 2020 at like the height of my career, like really taking a toll on me. And I felt, and what I hear so much when I do this work with clients is it's permission to be the person that you feel inside you are because it's based off of your birth information, similar to astrology. So this chart you get, this blueprint of your energy is your soul, like who you were when you were born before I say the world got its muddy paws on you and conditioned you and you moved through all these stories and false beliefs, maybe, um, and experiences that maybe took you off that path. And it was so clear to me that I was ignoring the voice that said like, this is the work, this is the way. It's not by accident, you always think about this. But from May of 2020 until October of 2020, I had the most horrific experience with anxiety and panic attacks. And what I now realize is it was me in between my old self and where I was going and I I was just being pulled. Like I felt like every day, like my heart was being like ripped open and I've never experienced panic attacks before until that year. And I had that feeling that I shared before, like, this is it for me. I am now going to go into a full bipolar state. Like I am not mentally well. I was scared for my mental state. I I felt like I failed. I felt like all the spiritual tools and the healing that I had done to avoid that experience was beginning to come true. And I just had this, this again, like another experience that was like, these are your options. You stay and you struggle and you go on medication, which is absolutely necessary for some people to deal with these panic attacks. But I knew in my soul that like, that was a band-aid approach to what the actual decision was, you know, and I didn't want to prolong it and delay it. So I made a really hard decision to leave my career, which was only possible because we moved our whole life out to the East coast and moved into my parent, my partner's parent, um, her cottage who unfortunately passed at the same time I was going through this wild experience. So as I'm here struggling, my partner loses his mom and moves to Prince Edward Island where we now live. So we were apart while I was going through this and he was going through a really wild grief journey. So 2020, <laughs> that was literally like the pinnacle of, I think, everything that kind of culminated to a point where I ripped my life apart in 2018, but not quite enough in 2020, really finished it off, just totally 180. Um, and since then, I got so much benefit and support from human design that in early 2021 um yeah i studied the system and started offering readings myself and over the course of the last three years i've developed a business and a practice where i get to help people heal through this work and still use my nursing skills still show up with empathy and motivational interviewing skills and hold space for people and be with people in really challenging times and transitions, but in a way that feels good to me and also supports me. And that's been a really 
it almost doesn't feel real. Like I'm still trying to take this um, as proof of all the work I've done over the last 10 years. You know, I think a lot of the times we can look at people and be like, wow, you just quit your job and moved across the country away from all your friends and family where you knew no one and you started this business and you're so successful and look at you go. And that's what's not healthy for people like you and I, right? That type of praise. Because what I want to be praised for is, wow, you have been through so much and you are moving through this with grace and you are realigning yourself and you are being still open-hearted and you're caring for yourself and you're, you know, that's what I want to hear. And so it's hard sometimes because I don't think we can expect people to acknowledge us always how we want, but I certainly feel like people don't understand what you go through. They see it from afar and, you know, we can't always be entirely open on the internet or, or even just what you shared about, like, there's, there's some things you don't need to share with the world. And I think that a lot happened even during that time I've never shared with anyone. And it's just been, it's been healing and it's been um, hard also, right? Like it, both of it can exist, I believe. Totally. And like, I think for a lot of people, the pandemic was a catalyst for their spiritual awakening. Like for me, that's when everything, yeah, totally changed. It was just, I, I think like, spiritually speaking that's why like that's why this happened like it needed to wake more people up like to to make help people become more consciously aware I can't imagine like working like being a nurse during the pandemic and then having them shift you like from what you're doing it like I can't even imagine the yeah the feelings of anxiety and uncertainty like like oh that just makes me want to cringe and the fact that you're a manifester and you don't have a defined sacral so you don't like for you to be having to potentially be working all these long hours like being a nurse is not really in alignment with being a manifester <laughs> like yeah. a, like a, all the hours and the uh well neither is being a teacher yeah my mentor said to me like you this is and in a few areas there's not necessarily like the quote-unquote nurse energy in my chart in the way that maybe like one would expect and I think that what happened when I went into nursing was that fear of instability it was a job that everyone was like you'll get a job right out of school never a shortage like you know it's a good paying job it's the most trusted profession like you know all the stories that we hear and I have never once regretted being a nurse. Um, I've done a lot of work, as we talked about, like to detach, and I'm sure you have as well, to detach from the teacher identity, because when that becomes how you make a living and like your whole life and your passion, and you know, we, like you said, with our energy, we have to work even harder to show up in those places. And yeah, what happened to me in 2020 was also that I lost all of my side gigs. Like I was teaching fitness at a gym. I was running um, self-care and wellness events. I was doing a lot of things that would fill up my bucket to support me having the energy to like go into that job. And I was only working part-time while I was doing all those other things because I like to have my hands in a lot of different things. But then when COVID hit, all of that fell except for nursing. And then I started working full time again, which I was doing at the beginning of my career and I was miserable. So I was basically forced into like the same experience that I had five years prior that really wasn't great for me. But now with a new awareness through all this healing that I've done. And then I think what happens when we 
do the healing and then maybe we're put back in that situation it's even harder because you see it all like you you can't go back once you have the the awareness and so I really removed the identity I'd say in 2021 it became like a huge detachment where I didn't even tell anyone on PEI was a nurse because I was also really dealing with the fact that our healthcare system's crumbling and everyone needs nurses and oh my gosh but like you should be working it's like you should be on the front lines and all the stuff we hear because god forbid a nurse has to take a mental health leave like god forbid you know and I never labeled it as that which is an interesting thing <laughs> I really also looked at is why didn't I take a mental health leave? Why did I just quit? Because there's something there for me. I'm still like uncovering around why I couldn't say that that's what it was. Um, but I took, I, I quit. I left my job in December of 2020. I've not yet nursed. We're now in, you know, almost December of 2023. Um, but it's interesting because when I left, I didn't know what was ahead. I was, I didn't say to myself, you know, give it a year, whatever. I said, I'm just going to see how this goes. And that's like a really hard place to be. But just recently, I have felt more open to the idea of blending that identity back. And I have recently told like the last six months, people that I'm a nurse. And a few people have said to me, it's really changed my perspective. They said, that makes me trust you more, which is something I always heard, but also like gives you so much validity in your business. Like, why don't you share that? And I try to explain to people, I couldn't, I couldn't keep saying that whenever someone met me, what do you do for work? I'm a nurse. It, it just, it's not healthy. I think to continue to communicate something you're trying to detach from, but recently it's come out of my voice a lot. It's come out of my throat. I, I actually am in the process of getting relicensed on PEI um and reintegrating an identity that I don't know what I'm going to do with it it just like feels like it's time for it to be a part of my experience again but in a very different way which is the distinction I think that I'm I'm really like leaning into and bringing it into my business and being proud of that that work and yeah I'm in a I'm in an odd place with it where I'm feeling excited but also like a little bit nervous about what that means that is, that is exciting. And I'll look forward to hearing like what, yeah, or just kind of seeing what you do. Like, cause when it'll just be interesting if you do end up kind of reintegrating in some way, like, I just feel like you have so much you can bring to the, like to the job now, like, you know, all of your healing and like all, you know, these alternate modalities and your knowledge, like, how beneficial, like that's, that's needed in, in our, within our healthcare system now, big time. So that's really cool. And it's, yeah, that makes sense that you didn't want to tell people like you're creating, you're creating a new identity and, and yeah, you had to fully detach from that identity as being a nurse. And it's interesting. Yeah. Like that's how I found it really hard. Like I still consider myself a teacher, but like it became so, so much of my identity. I found last fall, like not going back to school, like it was so hard. Like I almost went in, like I was very like in a funk, like very down and very, I don't know. I was, I was missing it a lot. Um, this fall was like a lot different, but it was a lot better for me, but yeah, I just feel like I, yeah, I was kind of letting go of that past version of myself and stepping into something new, but yeah. 
That's so cool. Okay. Is it a hard process getting relicensed? Like, is it a lengthy process? No, it's not. It's just a different system. So there are like, there was a small exam and there's a lot of money you got to give to a lot of people, which is a, a bit of a resistance I have because it's interesting in jobs that are so needed, like teachers and nursing. Um, one would think that the system would support you going back. And that's not been my experience. So that in itself has given me a lot to reflect on. Like, why isn't there more support? Why, um, if you say you need us so bad, aren't you doing more for us then? And that that's a really big thing with my career that I left because of, um, you know, in 2020, our wages were frozen for three years we were expected to do way more and given nothing extra and what do you mean your wages were frozen like they didn't you didn't get any increases for three years yeah like our collective agreement in Ontario was really um <laughs> during the pandemic like yeah basically froze What's that at, like, why during the pandemic of all times like are you kidding me yeah it was a huge reason that there's a huge nursing shortage and I know you know here on the island there was just a new collective agreement um done up very recently and now they're finally I think starting to retro pay some people for the pandemic and it's it's a whole political you know how it goes it's a whole political thing but um yeah I'm going into the mindset now and I I I I have a feel a little bit of a fear around saying this but it feels like it needs to be said the system needs me more than I need it right now and that is an empowering place to be meaning like I want to go into a job and feel valued. I want someone to say like, yeah, we really need you. And in, in a place that allows me though, still to show up like in a way that feels good, like not feeling like, oh my God, they need me. So I need to be here. But like, I'm going into it in a different mindset. My business is very supportive to me, um, passion wise, financially, you know, and so if I am going into a nursing role, that's not through my business, because that in itself is a really complex thing to try to integrate a, a practice in the way that I do with nursing. It's not impossible. And if anyone will do it, it's probably manifester. But I'm really like grappling with the idea of like what it what it would mean maybe to go back and um, how I feel I would need to show up to protect my boundaries. That would look like not picking up extra shifts, not succumbing to the guilt of like, oh, like, yeah, but this person called in sick and there's nobody else because like I shared earlier, the guilt for me is what's really hard. And, and I felt in the past that the workplaces I was in would capitalize on that guilt and capitalize on the overgiving nature of most nurses. So you would have really eroded boundaries very quickly when someone would say, well, there's no one else. You know, it was never actually an ask. It was a demand, like disguised as an ask. So now that I've really like worked on my boundaries over the few years, my therapist and I have been really working with the concept that like maybe it won't be the same for me. And I think that's a, a fear that we have a lot is when something's been really challenging and difficult that like it's just going to forever be that way. But I've really grown and I'm trying to remind myself that like that expansive place I've been in the past few years has given me so much confidence and purpose and gratitude that I'm not remotely like even friends that I just saw recently when I was back home that I haven't seen since before COVID were like, you are literally not the same person. Like you look different. Your skin is so clear. You're just so like you feel so calm. Your energy is so grounded. And that speaks volumes to just like, I think aligning myself 
in a way that's felt really good the last two years. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, maybe the next expansion is like integrating those old parts with like who I am. It's not going to look the same. And I know that, but I think in our minds, we have such a negativity bias that I think is so challenging to say like, it's just going to be terrible. It was terrible three years ago. It's going to be terrible now. And I'm trying to say, you know what? No, because I am so different. I love that. And I'm now I'm like, oh gosh, is this a sign that I'm supposed to be going back to teaching? (laughs) Because I am like, I have a big decision to make for February if I'm going back second semester or not. And if I don't go back, I actually lose my tenure. And so and I miss teaching. I really do. But there's things I don't miss. And anyway, I'm just, as you said, grappling, like I'm grappling with this decision. And uh, anyway, but hearing this, I'm like, is this a sign for me to, <laughs> I'll have to sit with it. I'm going to have to make that decision soon. But um, well, it's interesting too, that we're both emotional manifestors, like the manifestors here to be a catalyst to go in and change, to create new ways of doing things and like trailblaze that way like if it hasn't been done I believe that the manifester is here to like light the path and start the path we're not here to necessarily finish the things as you and I know but we're really here to I think illuminate the possibility that like you could do the work that you do and be a teacher and the same thing for me like I always thought these worlds were so separate and I'm really learning that like integration of these things is possible it's not been done so it's really hard to trust in something you've never seen done before it's really hard to like hold a vision that other people can't see either because you don't have that buy-in from other people but because we're also both emotional manifestors our authority or how we make decisions or our intuition in human design is our emotions and that is so I believe it's the most challenging authority and half the population has this. So it's really interesting, but it's really about tuning into your emotions. And what I have found so hard is that my attachment is a very emotional attachment to this identity. So if we're trying to make a decision, like, do we re-enter this field of work? You know, again, we're so similar. It's so wild. I know it's so weird. <laughs> do we re-enter it and, and how much work needs to be done to clear up the emotions like the bigger the decision in, in in human design when you're an emotional authority the longer you should be waiting so rushing through an emotional state or being in a low like being in a depressive state or maybe in a scared state where it's like financially oh no like i have to go back because whatever these are really challenging times because what i've learned through this authority is that and and a lot of people will say this i think the founder of human design even said this there's no truth in the now we're not here to make spontaneous decisions. We don't know how we're going to feel. You're not, you're not going to know how you're going to feel in February, you know? So to try to like put yourself there can be hard, but in, in this process, it's about feeling into the emotions, like going to the depths of what that experience brings up. Also going to the highs and the excitement and all the goodness. And what we want to kind of look at is how can we find a calm confidence when we have this authority? We're never, and this gave me so much, so much permission. We are very unlikely to ever feel certain in our decisions as an emotional authority. My mentor says like 60 to 70% clarity or surety is enough. And we hear this a lot. Like you have to be hundred percent in, you just like, you're going to know. 
And that's very true for a sacral being who has this gut reaction of like, yes and no. And that's not it for us. Like we're going through the ringer. We are on the emotional wave. We are riding it out. We're up and down. We're all over. We're in our feels. One day we're happy about it. The next day we're crying because it seems like the end of the world about that decision. And that's just how we operate. So it's it's really challenging. And it's really hard also if you live with someone or do life with someone that isn't this authority. Because for example, my partner is a reflector. He's very logical. He's very objective. And his, his ability to be emotional in a decision is like almost 0%. And he doesn't see or get like how I have to use my emotions to ride it out diminishing your emotions or hiding them or trying to make a quick decision is absolutely the worst thing that we can do anytime I've made a decision in my life where I have like shoved my emotions down mm -mm, it's not been great um so yeah like I, I guess all that to say is if you're an emotional authority like yourself or anyone that's listening really give yourself the space like it it the bigger the decision, the longer the wait. So, you know, if it's a decision like changing careers or shifting something, like I said earlier, I gave myself from May, 2020 until I made the decision in October and I went through the dang ringer, like up, down, all around. And I never felt sure when I moved to PEI, I, you know, at first I was like, okay, this feels right. And then it's like, oh, does it feel right? But what I have felt sure about is trusting that at the right time, if I meant to nurse, like it's gonna, it's gonna come back to me. And it kind of has, there's been a lot of signs lately and a lot of, um, yeah, just like little nudges. That's like, I think you're ready. You should be ready. Maybe you're ready. Are you ready? And no clarity yet, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a challenging, but also interesting place to be because I think that there's just a lot of value in both the highs and the lows. And on, and honestly, when we're in an emotional low, it's a really creative place to be. And I have found that a lot when I want to retreat and go inward and I'm feeling like a little down, I actually can do a lot of introspective work in my business that I later will put out to the world, but it's often through a low that I get this like yeah, just different side of my energy and both are so valuable. That's a good reframe because I struggle with being an emotional authority. I'm like, oh, just, I'm like, oh, it feels so exhausting. Yeah, the, the highs, lows, the highs, lows, but I like you kind of reframing the lows as something positive where, yeah, that's a space where, you know, creative or our next urge can come from that space. The manifester, you know, desires a lot of freedom and really does want to be that change catalyst. And what I try to, what I'll offer you, what I try to do is, and this is through my lens of human design, but I look at like, what are my gifts and what am I bringing to the table? And is this job going to allow me to, or this work of any kind going to allow me to use like most of those things? I don't want to compromise anymore. There was a really long time in my life where I knew what I had to offer and I let myself be put in places that diminish that and wouldn't let me live that out. And so, you know, what I offer to people and, and what I'll offer you is like, if it's through human design, if it's through astrology, whatever modality it is, learn your gifts, learn your strengths and, and learn what you like really bring. Because like, for example, in your chart, and if anyone's listening, Kate will leave a link so you can generate your chart as well for free through my website. And this might be the beginning of your journey. Maybe you already know human design, but 
a couple of places I look to is like your profile, for example, you're a manifester and so am I, but I'm a three, five and you're a five, one profile. And we will show up differently in the world as manifestors and often in the work that we do, because our profile is kind of how we live out our energy. So, you know, we both have this five in common, which I think is why we both have this feeling like we are the saviors, we are the heroes, people project things onto us, they put their expectations onto us of being like the good children and doing this and helping people. That's very much the five energy, which is a really beautiful gift, but also can be really challenging. But the five is actually also a very seductive and charismatic and attractive energy in its high expression. We're here to universalize that this energy of pain and experiences and lessons and universalize them for the collective so that they might maybe don't have to struggle as much or maybe they're going to take a different path or we're using these tools and sharing them with the collective and the work that you and I do and that that's the beauty of the five and on the flip side the one is really here to investigate and to learn and to go into the depths of things and as a five one profile when we combine these two numbers you're here to have pretty life-changing experiences to support the collective through what you investigate or through what comes to you. And so, you know, you're here to use those experiences you've had and share them. And I think that's a lot of the work that you do. Like even just having a podcast, for example, I see this through is just universalizing what you're learning and what you're experiencing and um, healing that kind of side of you that maybe gets a lot of value through being the savior or, or stepping in in crisis. And sometimes that looks like not stepping in if the healthcare system for my case or for your case, the school system is really struggling. Sometimes that's not the best place for us to, to kind of lean into. But I think knowing some of the strengths and knowing like what you offer and not willing to like settle or not do those things you were already doing that obviously brought you a lot of joy is going to be an important piece and if there is um what I often think about too is like I have my dream role and in my mind these are all the things I would be able to do and what often stops me from like taking steps forward is that I struggle to communicate all my strengths and like the role that I think they'd be best used in because it doesn't exist right and so you like find a job description or you think about going back to teaching it's like that doesn't exist but it is up to us to also communicate those needs and maybe like pitch an idea or a role or a different way to teach or a different way to show up in nursing um because I said earlier like if anyone's going to do it it's going to be us but it takes a massive initiation a massive amount of energy and it's very rare that people will get on board with us sometimes we need to be that lone wolf and go do the thing and then people will follow once they like trust us and we've informed them and we've let them know what the heck we're doing but it's a process that I think is often lonely often very scary and often just yeah like it can be difficult in the beginning and and I think that the collective is shifting and what the collective needs is shifting. So then we as manifestors need to show up in a different way. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I guess it feels complete there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I struggle with the five, one profile. Like I, so like, all I want to do is make an impact. Like I want to, I want to teach people things they've met. Like, I don't know 
give them a new perspective. Like with my students, I wanted to teach them mindfulness and breath work and all these things. Like I wanted to change their life. Like that would just make me feel so satisfied. I know I don't have the generator feeling of satisfaction, but like for me, that would make me feel like so good in knowing that like I have like helped, you know, somebody struggling with mental health. Now they have tools and they can, you know, they, their life has changed for the better. And I know I can't, I can't go and teach something like the same course every year, something I'm not passionate about. Like I have to, even if there's required curriculum, I have to infuse something that I'm passionate about that I feel like can make a change. Like I want to change my students' lives. I don't want to teach, make them memorize this crap. Like I know I've, they have to learn certain things, but do you know what I mean? I, I want to, and if I can't do that, I don't think, I just don't think I will be happy if I'm back in the classroom. Um, if I'm not able to be making an impact on their life, not just like teaching them things from a book. Anyway, that's, I digress. Okay, I just need to say something to this because this is like so in your human design. So like, yes, you're a manifester who like craves initiating new things. That's very much our energy. But then you also have gate 35 in your throat center, which is your conscious sun. So in human design, the gates that are in each of the shapes are personality traits. And then we have the planets down the two sides that give like an added influence. And when something's on the conscious side, so in my chart design, it's green and it's your conscious sun, it makes up 70% of your personality or your design because the sun is a massive amount of energy that it emits and it really impacts us. So when the sun is in gate 35, um, it's a Gemini energy, but it's also an energy of really, it, the gate is called the gate of change. Like exactly what you said. So when you're saying that, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You are here with this gate to design, like you're designed to collect and learn from experiences only if it's worthwhile. So the manifester does have this reserve where sometimes they're like, that's not worth my energy. Like that is, that's just too much energy. I don't have it. It's not worth it. Or the emotions are low. It's not the right time to act. But then with this gate in your throat, the energy is I feel that's like the the sound or what we'll say a lot when we have this gate active, which I took note, you've said like definitely five or more times is I feel it's a really big part of your chart. But then also it's really about noticing the feeling and sometimes insatiable feeling like you need change so often, so much. And sometimes what I think that this energy can get kind of stuck in is when things get boring or stagnant or routine, it like shakes it up. It wants to do something wild. It wants to like create a lot of change. It desires transformation. It can get bored really easily. And I know like <laughs> when I think about ADHD and maybe some of the links to human design, this is definitely one of them where it's like, this is boring. I've already learned it. Like, let's go on to the next, then over here and then over here. It's an energy that also can also can sometimes be like jaded in a way that it's like been there, done that, don't want to do that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's not like a negative thing. It's just that you need to be in work that allows you to change and change often and change fast, which your five one also desires. So this is a really energy of like, yeah, transformation and progress and noticing when you're restless and noticing also even how you goal set often material goals aren't like extremely impactful to this energy. They want experience. They want transformation. So like what you said about your students, like you don't want to teach them the same thing. 
boredom and redundancy and following someone else's path is like a soul crusher for a manifester and then a 35 sun gate manifester yeah no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> well that all that all makes sense also consider that like as an emotional manifester as i said earlier and as a manifester in general we often can't see the path again because the path has is not lit up yet like we we don't know where we're going and we can't always predict, like, you know, this energy can be kind of chaotic sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's just like, wow, we get this urge, we get this surge of energy. We're like, we're going to go create this. And it it's wild. And no one's going to believe me that this is possible. And I don't even really believe myself, but like, we're just doing it and it feels right. And you can't predict that. You can't know how you're going to feel. You can't know always where you're going. And this energy is very much a channeled energy, like, they they say in human design that manifestors are the most connected to source like we are the initiators We're, we don't need to wait we need to wait for our own internal energy to match the initiation but we're really here to to download like transmissions to change the collective right like my mentor was a manifester and i think it's like it's it's just a different energy and and because it's only nine percent of the collective we aren't modeled this energy. We don't, we don't come into contact with this energy a lot. So it can be absolutely hard to know, like, is this possible? And to, to doubt it. And I mean, even just looking at your chart, like some of the channels you have, you have one of the channels, it's called the freak to genius channel, where you're here to transmute like a little bit freaky ideas. And when the time <laughs> is right, and it's the right people, they'll really see you and receive that and not think you're a freak. They'll think you're absolutely brilliant. So like, you know, if we get into environments that aren't honoring our human design or our needs, we're not a match for those people. We're not a match for that work. I think it's like really misconception that we need to go find um, our purpose. I really believe that our purpose is to live our design, to be our highest self and be that through the work that we do instead of feeling like we'll find it in the work. And I think like it's a chicken or the egg, a little bit of a, you know, analogy, but I believe that like it takes us being first mm -hmm. and we can be that person. I think in all the work that we do, it just takes some creativity and some trust that, you know, I'm grappling with it myself. Like, can I show up in the way that I want fully? I don't want to I don't want to cut off a side to me. I already did that and it didn't feel good. And so if there is, um, you know, some fear around that, I think that's really natural to wonder. And sometimes I think the path will shock us and hit us. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, okay. Like this, we need to go, you know, there's the waiting and the waiting and it's like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden you get that urge and I'm feeling an urge right now myself. I'm kind of like, okay, like something's happening. No idea what's happening right now, but when it hits, it's like an immediate drop in of energy that it, it just becomes clear in an instant. It can just be like, I'm walking the dog and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to write this down. I need to voice record. I need to call someone. I need to like, this is in my body and it's ready to be born. I love that. I love that feel. Like I love when, cause I hate when you feel so stuck and stagnant and it's just like waiting for your next urge. It's important to notice that with this energy that you have and in, in, in all of your chart, it's a, a big theme that 
we're not always going to get people on board, but like that shouldn't stop us either. Because again, like as a trailblazer, as someone that is here to like do something different, the manifestor energy, when it hears no, actually, I believe at least my experience, other Mannies can chime in here is like, it's like, well then watch me do it anyways. Cause I'm doing it anyways, whether or not you jump on my train, like the train is leaving the station. And that's an energy I've really had to like start to embody the power behind our energy. When we're in initiating phase, we're like steamrolling along. And it's like, you can either get on or get off. Like regardless, I'm going and I'm independent in my energy. Manifestors don't need other energy types when they're in their initiating phase. We need support later to guide it and to sustain it and all those things to reflect on it. but but we're here to start. So when we're initiating, like we're here to inform, to let people know where the train's going, but we're not asking them to get on it. It's like, this is happening, whether it happens through this format, through this, like I'm doing it. And, you know, really stepping into that idea that like, some people are going to see you as a freak. Some people are going <laughs> to want you to do things or project things onto you. They're going to have expectations that are like, super not even at all remotely aligned right even if as a five one it's like you might be learning something and transmuting and explaining something and someone's like no that's not true it's this way and it's it's just like really stepping into this idea that like you're not people are going to misunderstand you I think that's, that's just like the moral of the story and that's Always. my that's my biggest struggle in life is that I feel like no one understands me like I feel so misunderstood like I feel like my husband is like the only person who truly understands me and sees me for who I am. And I feel like constantly misunderstood in, in every environment I'm in. And I like, it's painful <laughs> for me. It's my biggest. I'm like, Oh, why did sometimes I'm just like, why did I choose this design? Like what the <laughs> heck was I thinking? But like, I need to get, get over it. Um, you <laughs> that I feel you I see you I feel like so connected to you and I know as this energy like I I've even had people in my life say to me you just think you're better than everyone life is so easy for you I'm jealous of you everything like that you do is so successful you say you're gonna do it and you just do it and blah 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 all this bullshit and like frankly I'm starting to realize that like no like don't put me on this pedestal. You know, even when I offer my human design wisdom or when I teach classes, like I have a big resistance to people putting me in this like projection field from that five energy and being like, golden child, you can do no wrong. Everything's easy for you. Like, look at you go. And it's like, why can't people make room for like my human experience? Why can't I be human? So earlier when you asked like how I want to be introduced, like I just want to be human. I don't want all the labels. I don't want to have to uphold all these titles and all these feelings. Like I can't disappoint people. And oh my gosh, what if they think I'm weird? And it's like, I'm fucking weird. Like I just am. <laughs> and I love it. And I feel like I have to stop. And I think a message for you maybe too. And all the manifestors out there, like stop asking for permission. Stop thinking people are going to get you because like it really, I think takes us out of our biggest transformation, our biggest initiations and creations to be stuck in this place. Well, are people going to get it? And it's hard as an entrepreneur because we need to get people on board. You know, that's how we create our livelihood. We need them to connect with us. But as manifestors, it's not about convincing people. It's just about informing people with where you're at and knowing that the right people at the right time are going to get your initiations. They're going to want to be initiated by you. That's why people come to manifestors. Like me as a human design reader is going to read very differently than a projector who is, you know, in a guiding role in the same way. But like I am 
taking your mind over here where it's never been. And that I think is why we're attracted to certain people. And that's the gift that we have. And in human design, we talk about these five energy types. And I really truly believe that if we could all lean into our design and our most authentic energy and stop trying to be like other people or stop dimming parts of ourselves that are too big or too emotional, you know, as an emotional authority, then we're showing up to the collective with like our greatest gifts. And I really feel like we all have a role to play, but we're all trying to play the same role. And that's just not how life goes. We need all of the energy types. We need us all to feel connected to whatever tool it is really that we're using, but like connected to who we truly are and then translate that into our work and show up in that way. But unfortunately, I think we're seeing a lot of times right now, people can't show up in their work the way that they desire. So I think we're here to rewrite the story of what it means to be teachers and nurses and all of the givers and maybe even mothers, you know, because manifestors even parent differently. It's it's all new. When I found human design for the first time, like I felt everything started to make sense. I was like, oh my God, like I feel like understood, like what I've been seeking for so long. I actually feel like, oh my God, this makes sense. Like this explains everything. Like it just was such a game changer for me. And so if you're somebody who's looking to deepen your self-awareness, like to grow personally, spiritually, like highly recommend, um, human design and like getting, I haven't had, I feel like I just had a reading, a partial reading <laughs> with Steph today, but I've been meaning to get up because she offers like tiers, like different levels of readings. And like, so you could be the introductory, right? Like an introductory session and then you can move up, but I've been meaning to. And so this is my sign, even though you've graciously given me lots of awesome guidance today, but I want to to go. Cause I've, I did my deep dive just on, you know, the five, one, the manifest or energy, but I don't know anything about gates or channels or any of that stuff. So I do want to book an appointment with you to go deeper, um, into my chart. So yeah. yeah so. And I, I structure my business in the way that like for someone like a five, one, I know they're going to go investigate. So I have a lot of free content and blog posts. And when you generate your chart, there's clickable links that will link you back to my website to give you like lots to investigate. And I have the gate of depth in my chart. So the song at the beginning was also super fitting. But what I do is I do offer like a lot of different ways to learn and go to the depths. That's really important to me. And for some people, that's not in their design. They don't seek that. They just want to know the basics. They're cool with that. Or they want to go read about things on their own. Um, but for some people, you know, what we can often do is we take apart human design and we talk about it. So we talked a little bit about the energy types, the profile, the incarnation cross, the gates. We, we have to pull it apart because it's so complex that you can't integrate it all together. But what often a one-on-one -on -one session can do is learn how all those pieces of you synthesize and fit together. And because we're nuanced and complex, there's often things in the chart that will maybe not be congruent with something else in the chart. So learning how to be like, okay, I'm this, but I'm also this, and that's okay. So there's validity and I think impact and importance to all types of learning. And I try to meet people with where they're at and we'll, yeah, we'll leave a link if people wanna explore um, what I offer. And I, I just wanna also say that the step is always to just generate your chart first and before you like want to go into the depths or, or investigate or do all the things like just look at it and observe it. It's a, I think really impactful thing to see your energy in this blueprint format to like visualize 
who you are as an energetic being, because a lot of these concepts are very like, you know, less tangible. We're talking about souls and energy. And, and this brings, I think, some logic to spirituality that some people need to feel grounded. They need a little bit of a framework or a structure to learn their soul's journey. It's, it can be really daunting to just say, okay, go learn, go heal, you know, and this is one of the many tools, but I'm a little biased. It's changed my life and I'm, I'm grateful to offer this to the world. I just feel grateful to talk to other manifestors because it, it always is so clear that like, we're not alone when we're with each other. So maybe we need to have like a manifestor party. I'm learning that there are a lot on PEI. Really? Um, yeah, I've done a, a few. Actually, I have a session with someone that's a manifestor later today. And so maybe we should create a little manifestor party and just all cry together and talk about how we've always been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we've been talking for a while here. Uh, I feel like we could talk forever. And maybe I'll have to have you on for a part two. And we'll talk even more about like, sober curiosity, all the things we could I feel like there's a million more things we could talk about. Um, but we should probably end it here for today. Is there anything else that like maybe tell the listeners today any other offerings that you want to highlight or like where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, anything. And I'll put it all in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. I hang out mostly on social media through Instagram. And that's just the place that I built my community on. And I do also have a TikTok, which has a lot of like really good little short tidbits. If you're someone that just likes little quick hits of information, um, the content on TikTok, Instagram is very different. So follow me there both if you'd like. Um, and I have so much information on my website. So everything about me and my journey and everything I offer is on my website. I do also in-person events on the island and I also do virtual workshops live and you can also play on-demand workshops if you want to just learn a certain concept about human design. So got a little bit for everyone and my business is called Steph Sullivan Collective because it's truly an embodiment of my design and who I am and all the collective things that I offer and the support I feel so passionate about providing to the collective so I really believe there's something for everyone there and go explore you can always get in touch with me through my website chat or on socials and I really hope that whoever's listening to this just feels like it's okay to be them like that's my number one I don't know nugget of life is like you are allowed to be you and there's people that are waiting for you to be you and the world needs you to be you. So it's such a difficult thing to understand, but I think human design can be a path to help you get there. And that's that's a path that I'm willing to walk with anyone who wants to. Beautiful. I love it. And yeah, fly your freak flag. What, I have that in my gate, freak. What, freak the world? The genius channel. <laughs> I don't know about the genius, but I definitely know that I can put a check beside the freak. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh thank you so much for joining me today I learned so much I actually have some clarity on some things now and you've given me a lot of food for thought so thank you I didn't mean to turn this into a personal therapy session but um thank you for your guidance uh I appreciate that and yeah anybody who wants to learn more about their human design uh you should definitely check out Steph's work and I look forward to following your journey just to see where it goes, what happens with nursing. And yeah, so Thank follow you. along on first, Instagram. 
Thanks for allowing me to, to share. I feel like I shared some stuff I, I haven't before and I didn't plan on it, but you know how this goes. We just, we just open up that throat and sometimes the yeah. stuff that's supposed <laughs> to come. Um, so thanks for creating the space and thanks to everyone for listening. Amazing. Well, have a great rest of your day and yeah, I'll be in touch about uh, a, a more higher level. Like I want to deep dive into my chart, so I'll be in touch. Sounds good. Take care. Okay. Bye, Steph. Hey, everybody. It's just me popping back in. After I recorded this interview, I realized I didn't even ask Steph about why she chose her song for spiritual karaoke, Into Deep by Sum 41. And so I messaged her about it and I said, I totally forgot to ask you. And so she said that the lyrics describe her life and her human design too. She has the gate of depth, which is also known as the well and wants to go very deep. And she also has gate 15 of extremes, which means she's not great at knowing balance always. And I totally resonate with that. I'll have to ask her if I have that gate as well. And that she has a really intense emotional wave as her authority. So she feels things super deeply, gets into creative flow states as a manifester that are very intense and has a lot of willpower, which comes from her defined heart center. So when she gets into something, she gets very into it. And I can identify with that. I get very hyper, fixate, hyper fixated on things. And sometimes she says she over promises um, and feels like she can't keep her head above water and that can lead to cycles of burnout and then need for deep rest. And so yet again, everything that comes out of this girl's mouth, I seriously resonate with. And I'm honestly going through that right now where I overcommitted myself and I definitely feel like I'm in too deep and I don't really know what to do because I hate letting people down and Right now, I feel like I am letting myself down because I'm prioritizing some things that I shouldn't be prioritizing. So this song resonates deeply with where I am at right now. And of course, thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Steph, for the reminder. And when I messaged her at the end, she said, there's a lot of, a lot of learning for me to not let myself get to where I'm drowning and care for myself before then. I needed to hear that today. I needed to hear that. So thank you again, Steph. I loved our conversation and I hope everyone else loves it as well. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Again, I apologize for the delay in this episode, but at least it's getting out on Friday. So I will see you here next week. Same place, same-ish time. Bye.